0: Okay, now for our first message. It'll be brought to us by Mr. Reg Noland and it's entitled True Grit. Well howdy Pilgrim. With apologies to the Duke, Don Wayne, I entitled this message True Grit to recognize one of the latest developments in educational theory. Angela Duckworth, in her book called Grit, The Power and Passion of Perseverance, reports how studies now indicate that grit, uh, the ability and willingness to persevere in the face of adversity, is a better indicator of future success than is talent, intelligence, family, wealth, luck, or skill. Duh, tell us something we didn't know. Isn't it amazing how people are getting rich off of telling us stuff we already know? Um, It is the mindset behind former British Prime Minister Winston Churchill's World War II slogan, Keep Calm and Carry On. As the King James Version renders this attitude as long-suffering and is closely tied to the concepts of patience and faith. So, last week, I watched as Curtis systematically gutted most of my message in his discussion of patience. <laughs> but, if, bo- if both of us came up with the same topic, then perhaps this is the message that God wants us to hear. Okay? Uh, this long-suffering is a characteristic of God himself that he wants to see develop in his children. So, let's verify that. Turn to Exodus 34, 6-7, and we see long-suffering attributed to God. And the Lord passed before Him and proclaimed, "The Lord the Lord God, it, uh, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving the iniquity and transgressions and sin, but by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation." Then it's in the New Testament as well, uh, Second Peter verses three. Um, Place. in second peter verses three uh, through uh chapter three i'm sorry second peter chapter three verses eight and nine but beloved do not forget this one thing that one day uh that with the lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day the lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us Uh, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Like Curtis, I am so glad that God is long-suffering because I'm really a rather slow learner. I have to make many, many mistakes before I learn from my mistakes and do the right thing. So I appreciate the sentiment behind the T-shirt slogan that says, be patient. God is not finished with me yet. Okay, although God is patient with my mm, spiritual retardation, he does, he, he does expect me to have the grit and the perseverance not to surrender to failure, but to see the journey through to its conclusion. So what exactly is true grit? Well, not according to Rooster Cogburn, but according to Ms. Uh, Duckworth, grit is sustained perseverance coupled with passion. Notice the conspicuous absence of intelligence in that definition. Along with the lack of talent, uh, along with uh, talent, luck, wealth, and fairy godmothers and other external factors, people can succeed if they can persevere through challenges and are passionate about their pursuit. So, grit is all about internal fortitude and zeal. It requires commitment, thick skin, also known as stubbornness, and we're replete with that. Uh, So let us analyze these, and and self-discipline. So let us analyze these two principal components in light of the Christian struggle. Okay, what does it mean to be passionate about something? This kind of passion is not, repeat, not the passion of a French or Latino lover, nor is it the zeal of a newly converted out to change the world overnight. It is not a blazing inferno that envelops a building or a forest but that eventually burns itself out when the fuel is exhausted. Rather, this kind of passion is a sustained, intense desire to accomplish a goal. It is more like the sustained heat of a magma chamber that remains quiet and hot for millions and millions of years. So we need to keep our eye focused on an overriding goal with the lesser goals leading up to it. For the Christian struggle, our goal is to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, so let's go to Matthew 6, verses 31 to 34. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. Second passage, 2 Timothy uh, verses uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, uh, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Consent, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will no longer endure sound doctrine, but will, uh, according to their own desires, um, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves, teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and, and ter- be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful of all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. This is Paul speaking, obviously. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to also to all those who have uh, loved his appearing. Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Uh, Thessal- yeah, that's something like it. uh Crescence has for Galatia and Titus for Dalmatia. So they've all abandoned him and he feels he's feeling very, very, very alone at this point. But he still keeps in the idea that he has finished the race. What he started, he has finished. Uh, Revelation uh, three twenty one. To him who overcomes, I will grant to me to uh, grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also have overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. Now, are these not worthwhile goals to keep our passion about God stirred up? Not only do we get to enter God's kingdom, but we become joint heirs with Christ. Co-rulers of the cosmos. Co-rulers of the cosmos. We get to be called children of God. Doesn't that stir your passion? The creator and the ruler of the multiverse knows me, puny, insignificant me, by his first-name basis. Talk about having connection. Now, that's networking. That's networking. Sometimes I think just how, we forget just how great our reward will be. Turn to Romans 8. Everyone knows this passage, but I'll read it anyway. Uh, Romans 8, 15 to 23. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of the adoption by which we call Abba, Father. We get to call him Daddy. We get to call him Daddy. The Spirit re- itself remains witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall uh, be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature, that should be creation there, all creation, waits for the manifestations of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. That's a key idea, the idea of hope. Because the creature itself shall also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails and pain together until now. And not only they, but we ourselves also, which have the firstfruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of the body. It is this hope that sustains us. It is this hope that keeps us going. It is, it is a hope that is the energy of our perseverance. Hebrews 10:23, "Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." Now will it be easy? No, not at all. Nothing worthwhile is ever easy. but God has promised to us peace and strength meet our trials. In fact, we will have considerable tribulation. It will be around us everywhere. But that should not deter our resolution. For God knows our frame. He knows what he, uh, w- what we're capable of. He has promised that we shall not be attempted above that which we're able to bear. John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, that in a world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We're talking about, uh, we're following a winner. Someone who has already succeeded. A champion, if you will. 1 Corinthians 10:13. No temptation has, ev- has overtaken you, ex- sorry, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able, but with temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Isn't that a comforting thought? That regardless of how strong the temptation or the affliction or the uh, tribulation may be, there is a way out. There is is something that will let you be able to bear it. This leads to the second component of grit, as Duckworth defines it, which is perseverance and patience. Now you see why Curtis took my message last week. That's all right. (laughs) Okay. According to Duckworth, Perseverance is a behavior, that's the idea. Perseverance is a behavior, a pers- purposeful action to pursue a goal or a task despite the obstacles. While perseverance is a behavior, it is the internal quality of patience that enables us to persevere. Grit involves sustained, he word. Sustained perseverance, and can exist only when that sustained perseverance is paired with passion. One of the keys to developing perseverance and patience is self-discipline. Being able to uh, uh, control, the ability to control a carnal impulse in order to overcome some weakness that we have. That's self-discipline. Making yourself do something when you'd rather do something else instead. Okay. Do you remember, all of you remember your uh, baptism? I'm sure you do. Remember what happened immediately after? We received a, a scripture reading, an injunction that told us uh, what to do. Uh, immediately after being baptized, um, Mr. Gregory, in my case, read 1 Peter uh, 1, 5 through 9. Here we find the major components of grit all clustered nicely into one little passage. Second Peter. One, five through nine, okay? But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, add knowledge. To knowledge, self-control, that's the same as self-discipline. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, then you will neither be barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even unto blindness, even unto blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. Of course, our purpose for developing godly character is to be more like Christ, and to embody this love. It's not to work for some kind of reward, but it is to become more like Christ. We should be working as we develop, it, the, the godly character should come naturally to us anymore. Any not something that is a uh, concerted effort. 1 uh, John 3.2 Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know this, that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And even though we're not working for the reward, there is a reward for those who persevere to the end. Let's read about some of those, those, those rewards that are have. Revelation 3, verses 10 through 12. Because you have kept my command to persevere. Okay. All right. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which has come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. A passage, another passage that Curtis cited last week, James 5. Verses 10 and 11. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And then we have, it's not just a suggestion, this is actually an injunction, a command that we have to endure. Hebrews uh, 6 verses 11 and 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, don't know about you, but personally, I don't particularly like tribulation. I don't particularly like it. because Maybe it's just I'm not as mature enough as, as Paul or something of this nature, but I really don't like tribulation. But of course, if I did like it, then it wouldn't be tribulation anymore, would it? And I, I'd just be a masochist. I'd just enjoy the pain. I'm not really into self-flagellation. not beating yourself with the, the, the whip sort of uh, the, like the Catholic monks once practiced. But when tribulation comes, and it will come, Uh, then I will endure it because I know that it will be good for my character. Just like one will eat beets and spinach and carrots and Brussels sprouts, not because he particularly likes them, but because he knows they are good for him. In like manner, several of the apostles rejoice in tribulation. I can't imagine doing that, but maybe they, uh, they rejoice in tribulation and encourage us to do so as well. I guess that's a good attitude to have because if the tribulation is inevitable, unavoidable anyway, then you may as well find some way of benefiting from it, right? Have a positive attitude about it. So James 1, verses 2 to 5 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in the various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, then let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach and it will be given unto him. And Paul in particular, as I said, Paul was a glutton for punishment, I think. In, in particular, must have really relished in tribulation because he was constantly provoking it. Always aggravating someone to get himself into trouble. Uh, Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. And not only that. But we also glory in tribulation, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Further, he attempts to elicit the same attitude in his student, his disciple um, Timothy, who has chronicled his efforts. 2 Timothy 3 verses 10-12. You have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, uh, and perseverance. By followed here, it doesn't mean he's uh, following in the footsteps, but has recorded it. Chronicle, chronicle of it. Uh, love, pace, uh, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which have happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of all of them the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. So you can bet on it, it's coming. You can bet on it. So be prepared for it and just have a positive attitude. That's all you can do. Uh, lastly, there is a warning to those who lack the true grit to see the journey through to its end. It's in Luke um, Luke 12. I didn't pronounce out. Luke 12, uh, verses uh, 42 to 48. Luke 12, verses 42 to 48. And the Lord said, Who then is faithful and wise steward, who his master made ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if the servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming. My master is delaying his coming. And begins to beat the male and female servants and eat and drink and be drunk. The master of the the servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him as portion with the unbelievers. With the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself uh, or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he did who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with a few. So apparently there's a proportion to the punishment. If you know what you're doing and you violate it, you get beaten with many stripes. But if you don't know what you're doing, you still violate, you still get punished, but not quite as severely. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom... Uh, much has been committed of him they will ask more okay so sorry. once we have been baptized we have made a commitment to this way of life we cannot turn back we cannot unknow what we have learned and we are responsible for it and we are responsible for it that's why baptism is such a serious decision and not to be taken frivolously. Luke 9 verse 62 Jesus said unto him no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Perseverance is key. The way is always forward. The journey is arduous but the reward is Will be glorious. Well, well, pilgrim, have you got the grip?